Nice and good morning to everyone and welcome to another edition of the Carlos Brown Show, watched exclusively live on the Black College Sports Network. Yours truly, Carlos Brown. I'm joined by Charles Edmund of the Alcorn State Radio Network as special guest host. And we also have our first guest already lined up, Haley Sutton of WSFA 12 News in Montgomery, Alabama. Good morning, Haley. Good morning, Charles. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It's a pleasure to have you on. We're on a little bit late, but hey, we are here. Charles, <laughs> for you, Alcorn State, we're going to come back to that Alcorn State opened up their season last week. I'm sure you still look disgusted, Charles. Uh, it'll be all right. It'll be all right. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk some Alcorn State <laughs> and North Carolina Central, but an uh, uh, opening statement by you, sir. Well, you, you you got half of it right. I'm I'm busted <laughs> and disgusted. <laughs> uh, the the game still resonates a week later. Um, you know, we we talked about it. In one of the to me, one of the bigger upsets that we've seen, Swag Miag. I know that's that's debatable. That's up for grabs. But you know, depending on what base books you look at, we were 14 to 17 point favorite. But you know, we we started out fast. But we didn't keep up the momentum going. You know, we missed a field goal. We had four fumbles, lost a couple. And so, you know, you can't do that and keep a team around. And and Central found a running game. They had four running backs that just that just had their way with us defensively. We lost our starting center. That created one of the, you know, some of the issues in terms of momentum in the third quarter. Bottom line is we just didn't get it done. Congratulations, North Carolina Central. Got a lot to fix here. The schedule is unforgiving, you know, with Northwestern State and South Alabama coming up. We got to get it fixed. We got to get it fixed right now. But congratulations, Central, and we got a lot to clean up. Glad you did. Congratulate North Carolina Central, and I will do that as well. Uh, it's a good thing the games are not played in the press, if I can say it that way. It's won or lost on the field. And Alcorn State, I believe just simply, I believe they just was so confident, maybe overconfident, but execution, I'm sure they want to work on that. Good morning to you, Haley, and you're, you're going to give us the Troy State perspective because I'm a Southern University alumnus, and Southern University takes on Troy State. And by the way, some lines I've read, Troy State, a 25-point Favorite, go figure. But they're FBS, <laughs> Southern's FCS. But welcome to the Carlos Brown Show. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Um, I did also watch that Alcorn State game last week. I was also I was pulling for Alcorn, but it was a tough one. So hopefully they bounce back. Uh, yeah, I, I understand. <laughs> I was pulling for them as well. But uh, and, and we'll make reference to this throughout the football season. Alcorn State. <sighs> They haven't only lost but one game in recent memory to Southern University. So my heart was going for them. My head was kind of like, okay, <laughs> hey, North Carolina Central. But Troy State, third-year coach, a transfer quarterback from the state of Arkansas. What can you tell us about Troy State as they open up their season today against Southern University? Yeah, I think Troy is a very interesting program. I think when you mentioned Chip Lindsay going into his third year, this is really kind of his year, I think, to take some risk. You know, he had his first year and then second year was a COVID year, so it was a little weird. So I think this year kind of the vibe is, 
you know, he's going to go for it. He's going to do some bigger things, kind of test his offense. I think the first showing of that was him, you know, picking his starting quarterback. You mentioned Taylor Powell, the transfer from Missouri. That was a big deal uh, for that program, especially when you look at Gunnar Watson and the numbers he put up last year was the best passer in the Sun Belt. And so for a guy to come in in the spring and take over that starting program, I think that's where you you see that initial um, I'm going to take some risk and make some changes. Uh, they got um, some good guys coming back on offense. Kamani Vidal will pretty much lead the run game. And then you have on the opposite side of that, BJ Smith, the guy who's been in the program for years, it feels like he's one of our local guys and we love BJ, but you got a good balance there of experience and um, some explosiveness with Kamani. And then defensively, I think is really where they shine. That's kind of where coach Lindsay um talked about a lot during fall camp was that he was really impressed with his defense. Carlton Marshall, uh, two-time All-American, a guy who's going to get you tackles and be the guy to kind of fire up the defensive side of the ball. Um, Will Cholo will step in at D-tackle as well and kind of, you know, add to that defensive line. So they really have some good weapons. But one of the things that I was um, kind of impressed with was when he did his press conference over the He has a lot of respect for the Southern and, you know, expect to win. You know, they've really been preparing hard for the Southern team. Um, one of the things I wrote down from the press conference was that we're going to have to, Troy's going to have to play really hard in order to get a win. So I think that says a lot about where he stands um, on this matchup. And it's first time, time meeting, so you can't really go back off of previous meetings, but I think it'll be a pretty good game. Troy's has had some success against, uh, SWAC uh, football programs in, in, in the past. And um, I was kind of looking at some information from last year, five and six last year, but offensively, look, they want to play up-tempo. I, I think the term was used air raid offense. I'm kind of familiar with that. In other words, it's fast pace. And, and I think one of the keys will be if that's the way Troy State is, is going to play, then I think they're going to try to get – players in, in in space and Southern University will have to just quite simply and you know not only just Southern the rest of their opponents they'll have to be able to tackle well in space but uh did did coach talk about how much tempo will they really concentrate on to try to be really fast um I think they're still kind of, like I said they're still trying to figure out the offense a little bit I know with Gunner um that was one thing that they were really good I was doing you know quick tempo balls down the field Um, with Taylor. I think it's a toss up because, you know, he didn't really get a ton of experience at Mizzou. We haven't really seen much other than, you know, what we get at fall camp. So I'm sure he's got something up his sleeve. I'm sure it'll mimic last year, but with a new spin because you have a new quarterback and a new offense. And you mentioned uh, uh, Troy's coach talking about Southern university. Although, uh, you know, a lower division FCS, um, Anything else that he shared about his concerns with Southern coming in tonight at 6 p.m.? Um, I wouldn't say necessarily concerns. Like I said, he voiced that um, there, he had a lot of respect for the program. He mentioned the experience of the coaching staff and what challenges that brings. He talked about um, guys with a lot of NFL talent helping um, Southern be talented. He spoke very highly of Southern's quarterback. So like I said, I don't think that they're walking into this one expecting a win. I think that they're going to, you know, really have to work hard to put points on the board and on the other side of the ball, keep points off of the board. Visiting with Haley Sutton, 
WSFA 12 News in Montgomery, Alabama. Uh, Haley, if you can, kind of walk us through a, 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 a game day, although post-pandemic, for those Southern Knights that are going to make the trip are already there, what can they expect? See, and I, I love this question because I got here in Montgomery in December of 2019. So I got about a sliver of a regular college football season um, before things were changed. So I, I've actually never experienced a game day myself. Um, I've heard about it, obviously. Coach Lindsay talked about it in the press conference. Um, I, it'll be a good atmosphere. Veterans Memorial Stadium is a phenomenal stadium. It's pretty new. So, you know, all of the amenities and stuff. It's nice and shiny still. Um, but I know Southern's known for its band, and I know that you know, not really, you know, no one can compare to HBCU bands. But what I will say is that Troy's band, Sound of the South, uh, they also do a pretty good job. So that would be the number one thing I would be looking forward to. I know they're going to be doing a, a battle of the bands kind of at halftime just to kind of give both um, teams a chance to, you know, show their stuff. Um, but I mean, it's a pretty, like I said, it's a pretty exciting venue. I look forward to getting to experience it here this season. Um, but they'll do, you know, a, a Trojan walk similar to most football teams. Um, I think they have a couple other promotions going on today. I know they're doing fireworks after the game. So they're pulling out all the stops for, to have an, a real football season, um, that they've missed out on for the last couple of years. And as far as their coverage, I know ESPN three, um, you guys, your station uh, will be there. What what type of uh, coverage does Troy State get from the outside looking in? Of course, because I'm from Baton Rouge and I'm not making the trip. But we'll talk about the the, the media coverage for Troy yeah, State. Yeah, definitely. Um, we keep them in our show, you know, pretty regularly. They do their press conferences on Tuesdays, so we have like Troy Tuesdays, just from a local news perspective. So. Um, our stations in Montgomery will pick it up. Affiliate stations down in Dothan will also cover it. So we, uh, from a local news perspective, they're covered um, just about as often as we talk about Auburn and Alabama, which says a lot, right? Because those are the two powerhouses when you think about football in Alabama. Um, as far as a national perspective, um, I haven't checked their schedule lately. I know when I was putting together their schedule during fall camp, they did have some ESPN games. Most of their stuff, I think, goes on ESPN+. Plus. Um, so if you're a subscriber, you can, you know, hop on and watch uh, most of their games. And I think they have a couple that were, um, at least last year, I know they had a couple that came on, like, ESPN2. And um, if they're really big games, usually the Troy-South Alabama game gets put on a higher ESPN channel. So they do draw some national coverage. I think it's just been challenging the last couple of years, you know, when you get a new coach in and then you have a year like COVID where nobody knows what's going on or what to expect. Um, So I think this year will be fun. I think that they'll have some games and, you know, hopefully they'll um, take advantage of being on those national and even um, on the local um, spotlights as well. And and Haley and Charles, there there are some intangibles as well. T- Terrence Dunlap played at Troy State. Um, he's now in Southern University's football uh, program. Now, I don't know if he'll play today, but if, if he could, I, mean, I know he would be excited. And then also Coach Ryan Pugh, uh, former offensive coordinator, assistant coach at Troy State, now the uh, offensive line coach and the game day coordinator, Charles um, at Southern University. So those are kind of some of uh, the guys that those intangibles between the, 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 the two programs and, and maybe it's a chance that they'll play again 
you know, somewhere in, in, in the future. You guys can comment on that if you would like. Um, I think for me, I mean, just the familiarity with, with those two programs and the individuals, you know, Alcorn played Troy State, you know, many, many years ago. The head coach at that time was Larry Blakeney. He was the head coach at, at, at the time. And, and I, I, I do know that's a pretty solid fan base there, you know, pretty exciting fan base. And, and they really get into their, their, their Troy State uh, ball club. I wanted to ask Haley, though, about, uh, you know, all the protocols. Uh, is it going to be full stadium, everything wide open here for this first game? As far as I know, um, everything's going to be a uh, full capacity. Obviously there's still uh, COVID protocols in place. So, you know, social distancing when possible, you know, when you're don't try and congregate at the concession stands. Um, and I think that they are still um, either requiring or really heavily recommending you wear masks. If you go places like the concession stand or the bathroom or places where you're going to be populating um, or be, you know, in a large population of people, um, but as far as I know, all of our stadiums here in Alabama, and that goes for our high school teams as well. It's, you know, for everything is outside. So um, full capacity, full go. And um, but obviously still some protocols in place. What does a full capacity, <laughs> in, in your opinion, Haley, would be for this for this game for some university in Troy State? Just estimate. Oh, see, and I wish I could be better. I'm not a numbers person, so I don't even know what the capacity um, of the stadium is. But I imagine if I had to guess just percentage wide when you've had a team that didn't allow fans, a very, um, as Charles mentioned, you know, a very passionate fan base that got to miss out on or had to miss out on a season last year. And it's a home opener. Um, just from a Troy perspective, I imagine um, – you know, the home side is going to be pretty packed. And then uh, Southern traveling, making the trip, I think it'll be, I would say, 85 to 95% full. Where's my mathematician <laughs> where, where, where I need it? Veterans Memorial seats about 30,000. So, Charles, Haley, I, I would say 20,000 20, would be very yeah. good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say twenty to twenty-five. Oh, okay, yeah. Again, I'm not a mathematician, but I, guess I could, put, <laughs> could put a problem. In. Charles, you know, you're a mass calm guy, so I'm a history major. So uh, we'll we, we, we'll kind of go with that. But uh, this will be the first meeting between uh, Troy State and Southern University, six p.m. ESPN three. Uh, Haley, we appreciate the time. Any closing? Uh, comments you would like to uh make um about for those who want to follow you your social media platforms um yeah i'm on all social media um i'm most active on twitter so you could give me a follow at underscore Haley sutton just my name um i'm also on instagram you can find me by my name on instagram and on facebook um but yeah i think just closing statements i I think I'm mostly just excited for football to be back. I think this is a great matchup. I think it's great for both programs, and I think it's going to be a good game to really set the tone, you know, either way it goes. So I'm excited for it, and I'm excited for it to kick off. Yes, I would have to echo that, albeit a 25-point, the latest line. I think Southern covers that. They do a little bit better than that. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, of course, playing up, Charles, playing FBS, 
opponent and um, you know depth is is always an issue and, and particularly as you get into the game so uh, I, I'm just looking to be competitive and hey play the best that they can in that Southern University I, I will say this you know we've opened up against FBS opponents Mississippi State and USM we've done that and the one thing you got to look at early in the game is where you got to get them you know yeah. early in the, the the first quarter, you know, Southern's got to take advantage of opportunities, flip the field, field position. They've got to be able to make the first statement early because as you get deeper in the game, you fall behind, then it, it, it flips on you. So I think the early, the first half is going to be key for Southern University to stick around in this game. Well, we're going to look a little deeper into Troy State as well, uh, Southern University and Troy State, but they're also a, a Week one in the Southwestern Athletic Conference. Some games have been played already in the Southwestern Athletic Conference. We'll take a look at that. We have some more guests lined up for you. So, yeah, you can smell it. It's here. <laughs> Football. But, Haley, we appreciate yeah. it. And we look, we look forward to talking with you again real soon. Thanks yeah, for coming thanks on. for having me. Thank you. We're going to take a quick timeout. When I come back, I believe I'm scheduled to join with Brandon B.J. Jones. But if not, we're running just a little bit behind, but we'll catch up. But it'll be more of the Carlos Brown Show right here exclusively on the Black College Sports Network. I'll be right back. Um, I get the now bar, please. One dollar. Have a good one. Got it. Hey, what's going on? Hey. Let me get a now bar. Sure. One dollar. Appreciate you. Got it. Thank you guys for what you do for HBCU Athletics. This is a fantastic avenue for, for, for all of us. This is our ESPN. So we, 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 we love what you guys do. Brian, AD, Roy, all you guys at BCSN. We really appreciate what it is that you got, you guys do for us. Q-Time is our classic Atlanta soul food restaurant located in the historic West End. Q-Time Soul Food is a family business started by Fred and Christine Crenshaw. Come on in, relax, and sink your chops into our tantalizing, mouth-watering, distinctive soul food with a twist, the Q-Time way. 1120 Ralph David Abernathy Boulevard, or call your order in at 404-758-2881. Do you miss your mama's cooking? Then come on down to Q-Time, an Urban Passport member. Um, I get the now bar, please. One dollar. Have a good one. Got it. Hey, what's going on? Hey. Let me get a now bar. Sure. One dollar. Appreciate you. Got it. Thank you guys for what you do for HBCU Athletics. This is a fantastic avenue for, for, for all of us. This is our ESPN, so we, 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 we love what you guys do. Brian, AD, Roy, all you guys at BCSN, we really appreciate what it is that you, got, you guys do for us.
welcome back to this week's edition of the Carlos Brown Show, watched exclusively right here on the Black College Sports Network. As you can see, we have HBCU excellence up now. Charles Edmund, special guest co-host, Brandon B.J. Jones from the Black College Sports Network. Inside, what is it, B.J.? I got to get that name right. Inside what? HBCU football. Inside HBCU football. And last but not least, Charles Bishop of the pregame show. My favorite JSU alums, I guess I better say co-favorite with him and Neely. But uh, guys, welcome. Good morning. Football is here. Yes, it is. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Charles, for you. Jackson State, they're going to start a day later, but hey, it's still here. But um, I'm glad you were able to join me here on on, on this segment. And uh, boy, what? Where do we start? We could start about last week, and I guess Charles is all right now. He is still disappointed with Alcorn State in the MEAC Swag Challenge. Mississippi Valley kicked off Thursday, 35-0 against Murray State. Then, of course, the games today. So um, I'll go to Charles first, and then we'll make it around, get your guys' thoughts on the Swag MEAC Challenge. To say the least, a lot of people are bitterly disappointed in that ball game, Charles. I'm making sure which Charles. <laughs> oh, sorry, Charles. Okay, you're right, Charles Edmund. Oh, you gotta start with me. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the game still stings seven days later. I mean, people are talking about it. People are playing the game in their minds. I mean, you know, from Good Morning America, college game, Lee Corso picked us to win the game. They had Steve McNair's jersey out there. You know, we, we, we for a 36-hour period, we were all over the sports, sports universe. And as I mentioned before, we were, depending on what sports books you look at, a 14 to 17-point favorite to win the game. No one outside of Durham, North Carolina, expected the Braves to, uh, to lose this game. I know Donald Ware thought it wasn't an upset. His podcast, he thought it wasn't an upset. I, I get his point, but who would have thought that we would have lost that game considering what we had coming back, what we did two years ago, even though it doesn't matter now. What Central didn't do two years ago. They were four and eight. You just didn't see it coming. And it, it, it's, it, was, it was disappointing. There's no question about that. And it, it still resonates here seven days later. We're going to Charles Bishop. And somebody's jamming in the background, somebody's music. But Charles Bishop, <laughs> good morning to you. Your, your thoughts on uh, Swag Man Challenge, All Core State dropping the decision in North Carolina Central? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I totally disagree. It was an upset. I mean, uh, from when we last watched North Carolina Central, they were pouring in. Uh, and you're talking about the uh, defending uh, SWAT champion in Alcorn State, and they're bringing every uh, quarterback back, bringing Charles Pringle back, bringing Nico Duffy back. Yeah, it was definitely an upset. I, I did not expect that. I expected uh, Alcorn to uh, really be able to hit on all cylinders from an offensive standpoint. So uh, it was surprising, to, to say the least. Uh, my SWAT air, uh, ego was bruised, if you will. <laughs> well, they started off in the house of fire going right down the field. BJ, Charles Edmonds said in the first segment, perhaps, and it's debatable, the biggest upset in black college football history. It, Charles, I'm gonna, is that the way you uh, phrased it? I just want to make sure I get that right. 
I, I think it just he just thinking about other swag me act games and and other sports. Um, I would put that up there as one of the biggest. Yeah, I mean we're two touchdowns and a half favorite depending on how you look at it. One one of the biggest. I mean, but I'm just thinking in my mind. It, 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 in my mind, it, it is the biggest. I can't think of a I can't think of a bigger upset when you look at the when you look at the preview and the matchup. You swag champs, celebration bowl participants, a team that was four and eight in terms of total number of losses since they joined the MEAC in 2011. It wasn't a great year two years ago. They lost a lot on defense, and our offense had been purring along leading in. So I I would say it's it's in my mind, and just thinking of all sports, not just football, can you think of a, a SWAC MEAC upset of, of this proportion? I can't. And if someone can can think of one, and hey, we, we can talk about it. But in my mind, it's, it's definitely one of the biggest, if not the biggest in my memory. BJ, I don't know if I would say in the, maybe in the top five, but not in the top two. But 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 your thoughts, BJ? I think the jury is still out. Um, I think you know everything that we have to go on was uh, projected based on how twenty nineteen went. Uh, I, I think that we don't know how good or bad you know Alcorn State nor North Carolina Central um, are as football teams in twenty twenty one. I think that. Uh, that could be true, depending on how the season goes uh, for the Braves and the Eagles as, as, as well. Uh, but I, I'm on the count of just, just wait and see, because all, for all we know, we could have been watching uh, the champions of the MIAC uh, on Saturday night. You know, it's one of those things that we don't know, um, you know, just just quite yet. And, you know, unfortunately, I know Charles don't want to think about this. What happens if Alcorn drops a, a few more, and that was the champion of the MIAC? Uh, you know, now all of a sudden that, you know, it goes from upset to something that we expect. I think right now it's too early to tell. I, I'm always with early season matchups on the wait and see approach. Just, let's just wait and see. Well, wait and see. And now that leads me right into a wait and see. But it's the it's the opening game, the Orange Blossom Classic. It's a conference. And guess what? A loss by either one of them. Uh, these teams, FAMU or Jackson State, they're behind the eight ball of Charles Bishop. Uh, not that there's any pressure. Well, yes, there is. Plenty of pressure. Orange Blossom Classic. Your, your, your early thoughts on this ball game coming up in Miami. And by the way, Charles, if you see Jimmy Butler, do me a favor and, and uh, tell him I said hello. And then also any Miami Heat uh, paraphernalia that you have for me. Uh, I can reimburse you. There you go. go. Scoop it up on the way. Yeah, I think this is this will be a tremendous uh, early season matchup with Jackson State and Florida A&M. Uh, I disagree a little bit. I don't think you're done in September. Uh, I think there's a, more than enough season to go. Uh, I just don't think that uh, a loss, uh, 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 early season loss in September is going to doom you as we get toward November. But yeah, I think I think it's definitely uh, a data point, and uh, Dr. Kabil word, if you will. Uh, because uh, Jackson State is retooled, uh, offensive line, defensive line. Uh, what you see out there tomorrow will be completely different than what you saw in the spring. Uh, I look across the offensive line. Uh, there are four, uh, four out of five of these starters, and then the uh, starting center, Cedric Dunbar, did not play in the spring. So uh, it is a revamped offensive line, revamped defensive line. Uh, you saw a little bit of Dejon Nugget Warren and what he could do in the spring, but uh, 
He will be paired with uh, uh, quite a few uh, new faces in, in the secondary. But the same thing can be said about Florida and him. I'm very impressed by uh, the talent that they brought in they already had a tremendous recruiting class uh but they also brought in some quality transfers so it'll be a, a stern matchup with Jackson State. but calls for the record and i i think i said behind the eight ball i, I don't think they'll be doomed but it'll it'll be like starting in a relay yeah. <laughs> you, you you're in that eight you're in that eight lane you start out fast but you gotta kind of keep it going so to, to sure. your point no not doomed but you know you're starting off only one in conference. Then don't control it as much. You may need, you may, you may uh, need need a little help. But um, that's a Jackson State fam. You, I guess Charles. I'll follow that up. Charles Bishop, that is mm-hmm. CB. Um, is there any added pressure, or is just just it's it's the first game, and uh, just want to do well? I think yes. There there's pressure because. Uh, undoubtedly, uh, I think Coach Prime has pointed to wait till you see what I bring in in the fall. So I, I'm, th- there is that added, you know, something in that regards because uh, that this is what he's been pointing to. But the pressure is what it is. Pressure is a good thing. Uh, and and from listening to the coaching staff, they have uh, embraced whatever that perceived pressure might be. Uh, but you just got to go out there and perform. And uh, if talent is what it says it is, they, they should be fine. BJ. Your thoughts on this Orange Blossom Classic? And by the way, BJ, I think you had Alcorn coming out of the, the West and FAMU out of the East. So that is on the record. Don't do like me. I'll switch if, if, if it's cool. <laughs> But um, the Orange Blossom Classic, your, your thoughts on, 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 the, on the ball game coming up Sunday? Well, I think it's an intriguing, uh, intriguing matchup. I think you have uh, FAMU, the newcomers uh, to the Southwestern Athletic Conference. Uh, you take the talent that they had in 2019 and add it on to it. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if they could start fast. Um, I look at Jackson State, FAMU, the last two matchups, uh, Jackson State won close ones. Uh, caught Willis Simmons uh, in one of his first games at FAMU. Uh, and FAMU fans will remember the clock mismanagement. On, on that on that final drive. Uh, so I, I think, you know, for, for this one, this is going to be good. And, and with, with Jackson State, uh, they brought in uh, new talent, uh, the coaching staff that's there. We, we know the talk, the hype. Uh, but now we, we see it, it, you know, is it hype uh, or is there some substance behind it? Uh, so, you know, all the talking is done now. Now it's time to get ready and play and really show what you have. Uh, and, and I'm really looking forward to it. I think that these are two of the biggest brands uh, in our sport, and not only in black college football, but in FCS. And just to see the excitement, the people in Miami, uh, I'm excited to see it. Uh, I'm looking forward to a good ball game. Charles Edmund. You're yes. <laughs> well, my, well, my first question in, in watching this matchup and previewing it, is this a classic wrapped into a division game, or is this a division game wrapped into a classic? And for me, I mean, I, I look at it as, huh? I say all the above. You got a little bit of everything in that, this football game. Yeah, you got a little bit of everything. You know, for for me, it's it's all about the talk. It, it's all about the hype, and it's just a big game, Charles Bishop. You 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 know this, and it's just for me, it's 
Jackson State, a lot of folks transferred out, but they got a lot of transfers in as well. Uh, for Willie Simmons, you know, he's my good friend, and he was offensive coordinator at Alcorn for many years before he left to go to Prairie View and now Florida a and I mean, there's pressure on both sides for me uh, in this first game. I mean, look at all the money that's come into Florida A&M's athletic program over the last year. Every time you you, you look up, Willie Simmons is, is being handed a check, you know, re, re, refurbishing their, their football stadium. There's pressure there, I think, you know, got a new contract, all that. Um, and yes, it is early, but if, if you look at, you know, Florida a schedule, if they can win that, they'll get a leg up. And then for Jackson State, we all know what the hype is with, with Coach Sanders. But Jackson State schedule, it's it's not easy, you know, after this game. If they don't win this game, you got ULM, you got Delta State, that's going to be a big in-state rival in the state here in the state of Mississippi. Uh, then you got Tennessee State. You know, that's as big of a game as there is for, for JSU fans. I'm sure Charles Bishop, you uh, know that as well. So, I mean, I think whoever wins this game, I think will be a leg up. I'm not going to say if you lose this game, you're eliminated per se, but you got to get it going after week after this one, whoever loses this game. I think there's inherent underlying pressure on both sides just to build the football program and get it to where it needs to be. I, I could say every since adding Bethune, Cookman, and FAMU to the conference, would you say every week is a battle? Some would say even a war. And so every team has a tough stretch, whether it's in the beginning, middle of the schedule, or the end. And by the way, Jack State leads the series 10-7-2. And somehow, uh, Charles Bishop, I remember, what is it? Was it a, a field goal or a main field goal? Like in Jackson. I just, my memory's a little clunky. There was actually a Hail Mary in Jackson. Montez, I I uh, threw a uh, Hail Mary. Yeah, that was uh, against uh, Florida uh, It was the uh, first game of the Harold Jackson uh, era for Jackson State. So that's, that's how long ago that was. <laughs> well, you know, and I, I the, the memory was a little foggy, but uh, I, I knew something had happened. So I, I guess strike that up to a middle-aged moment since I'm the senior person of this panel for discussion here by, by a few years, Charles, by a few years. And, and, and speaking of pressure, get you guys take on this. You have 25 years experience as an assistant. You have the interim tag put on you. And your first game is against an FBS opponent. Do you think this person uh, feels a little bit of pressure? That is Coach Jason Rollins. See, I, I think the pressure is actually there because if you literally drew up what your perfect team would be, it would be the Southern Jaguars. They have an experienced offensive line. They have an experienced quarterback. Even from a fan base perspective, you've seen the backup quarterbacks. You, you know what they can do. So you're familiar with the personnel. Uh, you have the, one of the best uh, defensive pass rushers in FCS football. You have an experienced secondary if you really literally drew the, that team out on paper, that is a championship caliber team. To me, there's pressure in, in that regards. And uh, this one of the games that I was very interested in, in watching uh, in Southern Detroit. DJ, pressure for Coach Rollins? Uh, not, not, not particularly. So in this particular game, I, I know that we talked about how Southern has competed in a non-conference up under Dawson Odom's. And that record has not been spectacular at you know under any stretch. 
I think what you're looking for today is how does Southern compete with Troy? Because in games like this in the past, outside of ULM, outside of Memphis, really the, the tail end of that Memphis game, Southern has gotten the doors blown off. And it almost seemed like the football team was disinterested in games like this. Uh, I think if Southern goes out and covers the 25, I think that that leads, leads to a little bit of optimism. But as far as the season, I'm on record for saying that Jason Rollins, at worst, can finish second in, in the, the division because of what you have coming back, the talent that you have on paper. Uh, there was a ready-made championship team. You can't do worse than the guy that, that left, uh, you know, to kind of give you a shot to, you know, to get to get the permanent gig. So pressure in this particular game, I think there's a little bit just to, you know, perform and show that the program is moving in uh, the right direction. I don't think that anybody realistically expects for Southern to win this ball game with this scholarship, the, the difference between Southern and Troy. But I think for the season, uh, this football team uh, has to uh, compete for a title. Uh, they finish no worse than second in the division, and I'm not even sure if second in the division would be good enough. The hardliner that I am, according to Charles Edmund, <laughs> I'm a real hardliner. I'm, I, I, I go by a gut feeling. I know sometimes you can be wrong, but Charles, you remember what I said? I'm willing to give him a three-year deal right now, but I'm not the AD, Coach Rollins. And so, you know, and I understand you guys' point so far because if this team wasn't built in the championship mode right now, it probably would be less expectations. But expectations are high. With that being said, Charles, what do you think? Pressure? No pressure. Somewhat pressure for I, Coach Rollins. I think for this game, no pressure. Um, but going forward, especially as you get into your division games, especially the Alcorn game, which is at Mumford Stadium, this is, and I agree with BJ Jones, and I've said this. You would bring and I'm up glad Alcorn. the hire was made. Uh, yeah. Charles, you would bring up all corner. I understand. Yeah. Go, ahead. Hey. Go ahead, sir. Go ahead. The streak is this, this is to frame the conversation. This is to frame the conversation. <laughs> I mean, because that's that's one of the biggest games of the year in the conference. Uh, but I, I I I totally agree with the hire that was made. I think Rollins is the right guy for the job. I met him at Media Day. Very carefree. Very loose. Unloving. I'm sure he's not that now, though. On game day, here it is, eight hours before you play Troy State. There is some pressure, I think, um, because you have a championship ball club already. Uh, it's just all corn's been in the way. You, you've won the last two Bayou Classics. You've done everything but beat all corn. You've done everything but win the championship game against Atlanta. This team can do it. I think Rollins is the right guy to do it. So I do think there is some pressure to get it done. And I agree with BJ. I know. It, it, it's it's all about winning the Western Division. You have a team right now that could get it done, and if you don't get it done, it's going to be a disappointment for sure. You know, streets can go go both ways. Just like Southern has not had a, on the on the losing end of a streak, but you guys' biggest rival, Jackson State. I hope I hope I'm not uh, giving them the curse of death, but they've been successful against. Uh, Jackson State. So what I want to do, I just kind of want to leave that part of the conversation. And since I've got these great minds here, uh, I, I want to look at uh, Mississippi Valley State and Murray State this third past Thursday, 35 to 
zero. Um, what are your guys' thoughts about that ball game? Was it ex an expected outcome? And any, anybody can start first. Uh, I guess I should just mention. We'll, we'll, we'll go with Bishop first. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it was an expected outcome. I, I think what you will always run into with regards to Mississippi Valley is just quality depth, uh, and they seem to get worn down uh, fairly quickly in that game. It was a, a typical early season game, guys. You know, conditioning is always an issue uh, in the early part of the season. But you know, once you start taking those uh, poundings uh, early, uh, you know, the, the spirit leaves real quick, and it just seemed that was the case uh, with Murray State, Mississippi Valley. BJ. Yeah, but I mean, I agree. If you look at where Mississippi Valley has been um, in the conference and you look at where Murray State was this spring, new coach surprisingly goes five and two in the spring uh, with a game away from making the FCS playoffs, uh, was close to winning the OVC, had a close battle with Jacksonville State. This program is moving in the right direction. Um, they're one of the favorites to win the OVC uh, this year. Uh, Valley hung around for as long as they could, but overall, yeah. Uh, you know, Valley just couldn't get it done. But I will say, don't sleep on Mississippi Valley. Don't sleep on Mississippi Valley. That team is talented enough to get somebody that they're not supposed to get. Sounds like AD Drew. Not not as a bold a prediction as AD Drew uh, made on, on previous Carlos Brown show, but point uh, well taken. Charles, we'll go to you, and then um, Bishop. I'm gonna check with you, dude. You, can you stay on a little bit longer, or do you need to to, to, to get ready? I actually, I got, I got to turn the room over to the coaches. They got a, a staff meeting, but um, uh, okay. I appreciate you bringing me on. Uh, definitely, uh, I believe in both titles. <laughs> All right, Bishop, I'll see you in Baton Rouge eventually. No doubt. <laughs> dinner's, dinner's on me. Thank you. <laughs> now, if the outcome is not like I wanted, then. Uh, I'll take on the bird. <laughs> there you go. But appreciate it. Take care. Thank you, guys. Take care. Charles Edmund. So now I now we only have one Charles, so now I can be a little bit more uh, <laughs> on target. Uh, but, Charles, you, you, you can pick it up uh, with Valley and Murray State, and then we're going to move on to uh, some predictions in week one. And then, uh, BJ, let me know if you can uh, – Hang on a little while longer, or do you need to go? Okay. Well, well my biggest concern about Valley going in <clears throat> was their quarterback play and their offense. You know, against Jackson State last year, they were in the red zone four times, didn't score. They could move the football, but they couldn't punch it in. I think their defense clearly can stand tall for a while, but their offense has got to give them some help. And that, that didn't happen last year with Jackson State, the one game I saw. It didn't happen against Murray State. They just offensively, they just are still struggling. They have yet to really have a healthy quarterback the last two or three years. That's been Valley's problem and a lack of offensive continuity. So I think Valley's defense is respectable, but offensively, they've got to give their team some help if they want to have any chance to win any games. You're watching the Coles Brown Show live exclusively right here on the Black College Sports Network, joined by uh, Charles Edmond of the Alcorn State Radio Network, uh, B.J. Jones of Inside HBCU Football, joining me here on uh, today's show. I, I want and boy, we had to uh, we had to leave with Charles Bishop, and I wanted to uh, get his thoughts on something that I want to talk about. 
Um, but I'll, I'll do that next. Let's go to uh, the game for September 4th, week one. Um, first up, Miles at Alabama State. That's 5 p.m. Uh, BJ, tell us a little bit about it, and, and we're going to make some predictions on, on these games. Well, you know, if you're Miles, you know, you, this is your third time playing Alabama State and with the last six years. Um, first two matchups didn't go particularly well. Uh, Miles is a much better program now, uh, coming off an SIAC uh, title. Uh, Reggie Ruffin has done an amazing job with that program. Um, and if you're Alabama State, this game is interesting for a lot of reasons. Of course, you know, in-state rivalry. Uh, but Reggie Ruffin is one of those guys that Alabama State fans talk about. If Donald Hill Ely can't get the job done, one of the guys that they would go after. Uh, would be Reggie would be Reggie Ruffin. So this game could almost be like a job audition for Reggie Ruffin. If you're an Alabama State fan, you want to jump on Miles and get them out of get them out of the ball game quickly. If Miles is able to hang around and this is a close a close ball game, Alabama State fans will not be happy. And I think that seat for Donna Hill Ely can get a little bit warmer. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Coach Hill. Is on the hot seat. One year contract, if I'm not mistaken, that they'll have to make a decision in December, correct? Of this yeah. year. And um, this season will go a long way, especially. Let's just throw the scenario out there. BJ, if, if, if they finish third in the East, even second, would that be enough? Would the program be going in the right direction? It depends on it depends on the record. Because uh, I think if you if you do the unthinkable and lose today. You got Auburn next week. We know what that means. Um, you know, the biggest pressure that's on him is how successful Alabama and m is right now. Once the rival get, you know, gets up and gets going, people get a little bit more antsy than they normally are. Um, I think if you're Alabama State, I think you have to finish uh, second or better, but he has to beat the right teams. Miles, Tuskegee, Alabama A&M, and then finish where you need to finish in the conference. If not for that, Alabama State has shown they are not afraid to pull the trigger in the middle of the year. They've done it the last two times. Remember that, BJ. I will remember that. Boy, I almost reminds me of another political uh, uh, political slash athletic <laughs> culture, and that's Baton Rouge, yeah. <laughs> Charles. Yeah. <laughs> Miles and Alabama yeah, State. You know, uh, yeah, if you talk about a coach that, that his seat, I think, is a little bit uh, a little bit hotter than warm. You got what I call being caught up in the politics. You got a brand new athletic director there, Dr. Jason Cable. We all know how things go when you got a head coach and a new athletic director, unless it's a legendary figure that's won a ton of championships. That coach isn't going anywhere, but he's on a one-year deal. He struggled against Alabama A&M. You got Tuskegee. You got Miles right there in state. And then you got Alabama A&M. I talk with A&M fans, and BJ knows this. They say it's all about the Magic City. You talk to Bama State fans, they say it's all about the Magic City. Um, so you have a team right now that's got to be able to get by the Magic City. And you got these other teams like Miles and Tuskegee there in your back door. If you don't win those games, that's going to add a little bit of extra you know, sour grapes to it. So this is a big game to get their season off the ground. If they can win this game, I think it will definitely help with their confidence. Uh, uh, Miles, a tremendous program, get a chance to – see them next week in A.W. Mumford Stadium. So their first two games, they're playing, quote-unquote, up. 
I like Alabama State in 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 a close ball game. That's just me. I think Alabama State will have just enough to to get it done, and I think they will really want to win this game for Coach Ely. So I'm I'm gonna go with Alabama State in this ball game. I'm gonna go through the rest of the Saturday games, and then we'll take a break, and we'll come back for the two uh, Sunday games. South Carolina State at Alabama and them, uh, six p.m. Alabama A&M guys, they're defending spring swag champions. They want to get off to a, a, a good start, albeit they defeated South Carolina State 31-7 to in the spring. BJ and Charles, will we see a, uh, a South Carolina State team that will, would like to redeem themselves in this ball game? Yeah, and I think that, you know, they would like to redeem themselves. Like <laughs> well, you say we would like, we would like to, but. Redeem themselves. But I, I hear a butt coming. I don't see it happening. I think that Alabama and them wins this one again. They might not beat them thirty-one to seven. Uh, it it might be thirty-one to ten. Uh, but I I don't see Alabama. I think I see Alabama Alabama and them beating this South Carolina State team by a few scores. Um, I think South Carolina State. You look at I was I'm gonna be honest with you. Not that impressed with South Carolina State in the spring. Struggled with Delaware State twice. Lost to Alabama State on the road. Just honestly, just not all that impressed. And unless something shows up that I'm, un- I'm unaware about, uh, they do have a- an unbelievable uh, cornerback, uh, Kobe Durant. Uh, that- that's amazing. But from the offensive side of the football, they have to be able to score some points. If they don't, that game up in normal, Al- normal Alabama will get ugly and get ugly in a hurry. PJ, so it wouldn't be – to South Carolina State's advantage to run the football and try to keep Alabama and them's offense off the field, not going to work, huh, B.J.? They, they, they can. They can. You know, it, but but they were unable to do that the last time that they played. Dawes? What impresses me about Alabama and them, you go back to the spring, they had, what, 35 days in between games, and when they when they got back going, they, it was like they never missed a beat. That offense with Glass and Ibrahim. They got a kid from Port Gibson, Mississippi, uh, named Andrinkus Connor. He's a Mississippi State transfer. If he gets on the field, he's a wide receiver. That's just going to add to the weaponry of Alabama A&M. No one has slowed him down yet. I don't expect South Carolina State to, to be able to do it either. I agree that they're going to have to run the ball and limit the possessions of A&M. But if, and it's the first game of the season, by the way. So if there's a little bit of rust, it will show in this game. So I think the first – Part of the first quarter, the first half, you know, could be interesting. But if AM gets it going, it's all over. Yes, I'm in uh, – well, no, I'm not going to be in the minority. I, I got Alabama <laughs> in and winning uh, the game. But I don't think it's going to be a 24-point victory. Call me nuts. And if I'm wrong, you know, I'll talk about it uh, next week. But uh, I, I, I just think South Carolina State will play a little bit better. How about that? Um, Southern at Troy. Now, there is a rumor about some players not playing. Ivy being one. <sighs> but I hadn't been able to confirm that, so it's just a rumor. But uh, Southern at Troy State, previous games like this, under Coach Odoms, they have just been not impressive blowouts. I think Coach Rollins and that staff, they have a different mindset. I think they're going to be competitive. At least that's what I'm hoping. 
and I think they're going to cover the point spread, which is about 25 uh, points. Southern defensively now, and there's some conversation about, well, it's a 3-3-5. I talked to Coach Arrow. He said it's a 4-2-5 base defense. But, B.J., it's you'll see different things they're going to do uh, with that defense. And one being, I had to ask him, what did the Jack means, you know, with, with, <laughs> with Jordan Lewis? He basically said in the 3-4, it's just like the outside linebacker. So that, I think, B.J., they're going to move him around because he's going to have everybody's attention. With that being said, I think Troy State wins the ball game, but I'm looking for it to be uh, competitive, you know, and Southern covers the point spread. And Skelton will have a chance now. We've heard about how things have – he has improved as far as pockets, presence, decision-making, all that. That's been in camp, and we must make a note of that. Now you're going against players with a different jersey. So, Skelton has to play well. Ball security, decision-making, B.J. Hey, I agree 100%, Carlos. I, I think what you're looking for if you're a Southern fan, competing. How does this football team compete? Because we know in the past, uh, Southern has not competed well in this game. If you take away Memphis, uh, Southern has, has not competed well. Uh, competed well against Louisiana Tech, um, and then that got out of hand in the fourth quarter. Uh, but how does Southern compete? I think if you get a Southern football team that puts up a couple of scores and cover the spread, I think that gives Southern a lot of positive momentum going into the rest of the season, and that's what we're looking for. I like Troy to win it. Uh, if if we cover the spread with a shot to win it, uh, yeah, there's going to be some very, very, very optimistic people around Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Oh, boy. I, I tell you what, that's the case what B.J. said. I'm doing somersaults with a bad back <laughs> in the house. I am. But um, be, being competitive and covering the, the point spread and execution, it'll give us a gauge of what this Southern University Fall Edition will be like. Well, well Carlos, I, I, I will say this. You know, anytime you play up, the one thing you always got to remember Teams in the conference, FCS teams have 63 scholarships. Troy State's got 85. That's why most teams in the conference play those type of teams week one. They don't play them in week five. Southern, if they can, if Skelton can be what we think he can be, and look, I'm a Skelton fan, other than when he plays Alcorn, he's he's dangerous. But I understand when, that, Mr. You. Yeah, I mean. I am a Skelton fan. You and I have talked about this. I think Skelton, you know, if he has improved as what most people says he has been, you know, going to these camps and these other things to try to get better. If we see in a new and improved Ladarius Skelton, you got to count for him. And if Southern can run the football like they did last year, take time off the clock, limit Troy's possessions. Yeah. But, you know, again, the depth and you can't make, you can't, turn the football over, you can't have shank punts, you can't do all those those small things to flip the field because the momentum is going to shift very quickly in a game like that. Next thing you know, you're down 14, 17, 20, 27, nothing. Then then that's when it gets to 60 to nothing, and that's when it gets really ugly. So I think the early part of the game, the first half, Southern's got to be able to execute. It's going to be tough, but they have have to be able to do that if they want to have any chance. I think Troy's going to win the game, but Southern's got to get it going early. 
move. Another shot. Empowerment Resources, Inc., a nonprofit organization, has empowered more than 1,500 youth and adults in Duval and surrounding counties. Through its programs, Journey into Womanhood, Girls Mentoring, Life Skills for Teens, and Parenting Education Coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax. We are back on the Paulos Brown show. Charles, you still there? Yes, I am here. All right. Well, since you co-hosted today, I'm going to go ahead and let you take the lead. I'll go ahead and fill in on the commentary of what we were talking about. Okay. The the Southern Southern Trade Game, it's the first meeting ever between these two teams. And uh, B.J. Jones is with us. Uh, B.J. Southern has 46 players on that roster that's entering their fourth season. So this is this Southern team's this is going to be all raw and, and unfamiliar with them. Talk, talk a little about that. Yeah, I mean, this is a football team. If you look at it by the numbers and, and what has been done, what's been accomplished, it's a team that's ready to compete for a title. And I think, you know, we have a, a team with so much leadership coming back um, you really get an opportunity like this to kind of display it, um, to show that the program is headed in the right direction, um, to really go out and compete. And I think that's the really the big thing that I'm looking for for Southern, going to Troy uh, and competing, uh, and competing well. So um, I, I think with that roster, that's the expectation. As we move along in the Southwestern Athletic Conference, the defending Western Division champs, UAPB, Wolves Lane College. There's another game in which uh, you're, you're playing down a bit. You know, talk about Doc Gamble and, and the job that he's done. I mean, when you look at the West, no one talked about UAPB in the spring other than folks in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. Doc Gamble's a guy that, that took over the reins with Cedric Thomas, left the program. Uh, 
a really good football team, beat Grambling, kind of set themselves up in the spring and, and really had a good spring. What do you expect here as the defending Western Division champs hit the field against Lane? Hey, I think for Arkansas Pine Bluff, you're eager to go out and prove people wrong. I think at SWAC Media Day, I think all of us had a, you know, jaw drop when we saw where Arkansas Pine Bluff was uh, predicted to finish. Um, we saw, you know, saw talking about that. And to me, Arkansas Pine Bluff is so much more talented than that. I think they're eager to prove that this program is here to stay. We've seen and then fall back down the grace, jump up in 2012, and then fall back down the grace. They're eager to show that this program can su sustain success year over year, and now this is a program to be reckoned with. So when you start talking about programs who could potentially come out of the West, you got to start mentioning Arkansas Pine Bluff. They are the defending Western Division champs, and the one thing for me that kind of caught my attention, they did have some players transfer out. Their offensive coordinator left. He's the OC at Mississippi Valley. They still have some pretty good talent. Does that concern you if, if you're a UAPP fan with, with all the, the, the things that happened in the spring and in the summer? Yeah, uh, it, it worries you. Um, it, it worries you uh, because you lost some key pieces. Uh, Harry Ballard being one of those, the, the biggest pieces, one of the best receivers uh, in the conference. Losing the offensive coordinator where you seem to have a lot of continuity and uh, success with. Um, that's concerning for Arkansas Pine Bluff because you're attempting to go into uncharted waters. Uh, and it seems like every time you get there, uh, something something happens. Uh, something happens. So uh, I would be a little nervous uh, if I was a fan of the, the Golden Lions, but I think they'll be okay. I think they'll be all right. Guys, I'm back. Um, you know, post-Hurricane Ida, I guess it was uh, a little pause in the action, but now I'm back. <laughs> so uh, 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 you were talking, I guess, about uh, Lane and Arkansas Pine Bluff? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, hey, I, I'm back in the game. I had to go out. I lost my helmet. I'm back in. How about that? <laughs> um, Prairie View and Texas Southern is another game. And then Bethune Cookman at uh, UTEP. Um, for Prairie View and them, it, it's no secret. BJ, you've said that they underachieved. Yeah. Coach Dooley is, is on the hot seat, according to some. Um, Texas Southern, wow. Coach McKinney. Looking for what? A, a victory? He needs a victory. Bad. But the Labor Day Classic, get your thoughts on, on, on this ball game and prediction. That game, you remember in the spring, Prairie View just got by by the skin of their teeth against Texas Southern. Controversial call. Controversial call. Uh, and Prairie View got the win. I think that that game gave Texas Southern a lot of confidence. Um, they know that they can go out and compete with, with Prairie View. Um, Coach McKinney, has, he has a lot of talent. That quarterback, uh, Jalen Brown, uh, one of the best in the business, uh, when he got some key transfers. And, and if you're Prairie View, you're off to show that you are a contender in the Western Division. All right? You, you're off to show that, hey, we, we can compete. Uh, we're here. Uh, I like Prairie View to win it. Uh, but if they don't, I think you're going to hear a lot of talk coming out of Prairie View, Texas, about the future of the coach and that program. Wow. Um, it, it, it wouldn't be a thing where, let's say it's a, a – I know, understand it's a loss, but let's say if it's a big loss. You remember Coach Stump Mitchell? After that loss to Valley, it, it, it was immediate action. 
you you're not <laughs> suggesting that you could see something similar to that if, if that scenario would occur. Well, I mean, not at Prairie View, will, they will score points, I'm sure. But BJ, no. am, I, am I am I being facetious here? Am I no. being a little bit too far fetched? No, I think they'll 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 let you know Coach Dooley kind of coach it out. Uh, but if it gets bad at points during the season, uh, you might see that. But I think they'll let him coach it out. Charles, your thoughts on uh, Prairie View and Texas Southern? Well, you have in, in the conference, you have two games this weekend involving division matchups right off the bat. And immediate day, I talked to Willie Simmons about that. And you know, there's some coaches and ads that want to kind of play into your division games, whether you play up or play down, before you get into your division game. All corn is like that. And you've got some other team, Grambling and others. But, you know, when you open up in the division, you open up right off the bat. You know, you, you got to get it going. Now, Willie Simmons wants to play in the division right off the bat because it's he told me that it gets their team's attention right away. This is one of those games for Prairie View. It's all about Texas Southern and, and the Labor Day and I'm sure vice versa. Uh, I have Prairie View winning the game. I think, you know, Coach Dooley's very creative and exotic in terms of his offensive schemes. I think Prairie View is going to win the game. I think even though Texas Southern had them last year, I think Prairie View will be better off this year. I have Prairie View winning the game, but if they don't, I do think the heat will be extremely hot for Coach Dooley because the last couple of years clearly has been underachieved, underachievement for that program. I'm almost ready to give my first shocker. Texas Southern in, in in a close win. Hmm. While I think on it, let let's see. Uh, can we add Ad Drew? Ad, can you hear me? Yes, sir. I'm passing the book right quick because I'm thinking about a, te- <laughs> a, a upset with Texas Southern and Prairie. I did already had to go in for a play for you, uh, even though I got this pulled hamstring over there because you lost your helmet. <laughs> you lost yeah. the power over there, so. <laughs> Yeah. Check <laughs> the Southern and Prairie View. I, I, I'm kind of going back. I'm, I'm almost ready to put, call for an upset. Take the Southern with that winning that ball game, but I, I, I'm right here, but just not. Now I'm I'm gonna go with Prairie View in a, in, in, in a close one. The, the, but the Texas Prairie Southern View, has Prairie View on the seven points. Like like uh, BJ said, Texas Southern has been closing the gap over the last couple of games. So, what is it, seven, eight in a row? So, uh, something like that? You know, as a Fabu Rattler, I understand the feeling Ooh. at yeah. Texas Southern instead of what we've, what, what we've gone through at uh, with Bethune. So, the streak has to end sooner or later. If now, when? That's going to be the pregame speech that you're going to get in the uh, Texas Texas Southern locker room. And considering both these teams had their fights with COVID during the spring season, Texas Southern actually was, was playing good when they were shut down this spring. So they have a puncher's chance, just like anybody else. They shorten the game. Get a turnover, pick six, pick up a fumble deep in Prairie View's territory, special teams play. All it's going to take is one play to turn the tide for Texas Southern. And 
we'll see who's going to be the front runner for the seller of the swag quest. Well, AD, am I hearing a prediction? You, you got Texas Southern? Is that what you're saying? Oh, see, he has to think about Do it. I get any <laughs> <laughs> no, no, this is straight up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I, I, what the hell? I'll go ahead and do it. I'll do it. I, I'm the master manipulator. I was going that direction, but I was like, let me get a few more minutes to think about it. Um, as we move quickly, Bethune Cookman at UTEP, besides UAPV feeling like their fans saying being disrespected, Bethune Cookman fans, and I've gotten message from them, boy, what? The disrespect, but some would say you got to prove it first. They're playing up against UTEP, which UTEP has struggled over the years. Is this an opportunity where anything could happen? Can Bethune Cookman, and I don't know what their point spread is, but can Bethune Cookman cover the point spread, guys, and go in and play uh, respectable against University of Texas El Paso? BJ? I mean, they should. I think you know. One of the things that UTEP doesn't do well is stop the run. Bethune-Cookman runs as well. Um, Bethune-Cookman capitalizes off turnovers. UTEP likes to turn it over. Um, I think there are certain things that UTEP does that plays into their hands. If you're Bethune-Cookman, you have to play a solid game um, against UTEP. I think UTEP wins it. But I think Bethune-Cookman can scare the bejesus out of them. Um, so I, I like you know UTEP to win it, but I think Bethune Cookman can send a uh, send a message to the rest of the conference that they're here uh, with a close game out there in El Paso. Well, it seems like guys, Bethune Cookman and Southern University kind of in the in the same perspective. They can send a message even if, if the they loss. lose the ball game. Yeah, good good point. I think it's tough for an FCS. To step up week one and beat somebody. Just, just because of the numbers, yeah, being on the road. With that being said, within its own level of play, Bethune Cooper does have the better team of the two within its own level. The question is is the upper level of FCS? going to be equivalent to the lower level of FBS. Yeah, you get your Howards versus uh, UNLVs every now and then where you, where you get that upset where the HBCU does win. It's going to be an uphill battle just like in, in the previous game. All it's going to take is UTEP letting Bethune stay around and trust me, Bethune knows how to win a game. I can attest that more than anybody else on this panel that Bethune knows how to win a game if you let them stay around. <laughs> so, UTEP, y'all better get them early. You better get them off. Because if they're hanging around in the fourth quarter, put your money on Bethune. It, 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 it's going to be interesting. Charles, did, did, did I leave you out about um, Bethune, Cookman, and UTEP? Well, I'm I'm going to say this, if there's going to be a close FCS-FDS matchup here this weekend, and I can attest to it a little bit because UTEP's biggest rival is New Mexico State. Those two schools are about 50 minutes apart. We played New Mexico State a few years ago. Those two programs are, hate to say it, at the bottom of the FBS rung. 
And of course, for me, I gained a newfound respect when I didn't have any disrespect, but just learning Coach Sims at Media Day, of course, they beat Florida A&M. That's all, you know, that's all you need to know about that. I think if there's a game in which could be closer than people expect, I think this is this could be one of them. If Bethune-Cookman starts out fast in this game and stays around, I do think they might have a chance in this game. UTEP's not Alabama. <laughs> They're not Texas A&M by, by no stretch. This is one of those that could be closer than people indicate if Bethune starts out and plays well in the first half. So I expect this game to be a little closer than – than people expect. Don't sleep on Cookman, as, uh, as a Rattler once said about Bethune Cookman. Don't sleep on Cookman because they, they can make it happen. Hey, fellas, I just, Why pulled up say the, that? I just pulled up the line on the game. Uh, Bethune is getting 20 and a half. I and think the they covered it. If I can find somewhere to put this on, I'm taking Bethune in the cover. Definitely take the Bethune in the cover. <laughs> you give me 20 and a half with Bethune, yeah, I'm taking it. It, it is interesting. I don't have the stat in front of me, but you know, I'm still trying to compa- compare Southern and Bethune-Cookman. I do know Southern, over 200 yards rushing in the swag. They've led the conference in in, in the last two years and rushing. And then Bethune-Cookman, uh, a potent rushing attack. And just kind of remember – those Russian numbers, keep 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 them off the field, and, and they don't have many as many possessions that they're accustomed to. Especially Troy State, you know they they got an air raid offense. They want the ball, and, and their defense is going to be very aggressive. And so let's just kind of remember those two points. Um, we'll go to the Sunday games, then we'll get a break in uh, the big one: Jackson State and FAMU. I'm very interested in the panel to see. Who they're picking in, in, in this ball game? For me, I always say my head may say one thing, but my heart may say another thing. But uh, I'm gonna go to Charles, then BJ, then AD. Charles, FAMU and Jackson pick, State. Who gets it done? Well, I picked Florida and them to win the East. I said that a year ago. I'm sticking with it. I think Florida and them's gonna win this game. I think Jackson has a lot of moving parts that have yet to be put together. Uh, even though for Florida A&M, I think their quarterback situation, you know, they got to work through that. But I, I, I am a Willie Simmons fan, uh, and I'm going with Florida A&M to win this game. You're going with your heart and your mind, or just your heart? Yeah, I'm going with my heart and my mind. Yes, sir. <laughs> BJ, yes, sir. the analyst on here, who, who, who do you like? If you're a fan, you fan. Last night you saw South Dakota State put it on Colorado State. What a quarterback that was should have been on your campus that you thought was coming to your campus. Whew. They got to let some win out. But I tell you what, going into this game, I think the biggest question mark for me before the end, it was the quarterback position. Everything else on that roster uh, is completely uh, solid. Um, I think they have a nice wide receiver core. Uh, Zay uh, Smith, uh, I think uh, Marquise Bell is one of the best players in the country. Uh, I like FAMU to get it, I think, with Jackson State. New roster. One, one, one thing about when you get a new roster and you ain't had time to jail, what happened with, with when adversity hits? The difference between getting higher guns and guys who live, breathe, and bleed Jackson State is that usually when adversity hits, the higher guns will go, man, I should have went so-and-so place. And the kids that grew up fighting for good old state U, they stay there. They stay there mentally. 
that's going to be the challenge for Jackson State. I like FAMU. I said FAMU is going to win the East, and I think they beat Jackson State. Uh, I, th- I do think Jackson State can make this game a little bit interesting. I like FAMU to get the dub. Moving parts, I'll use that analogy, what Charles said, and then um, the rust factor for FAMU, and then the quarterback situation. Is it a case, BJ, that your quarterback has to come in for FAMU and manage the game, decision-making, and ball security, and, and doesn't lose the game for FAMU? Boy, this is a tough one for me, but again, I'll – Save my prediction. Let me go to uh, AD. Uh, 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 AD, I'm not doing this on purpose, but uh, I'm, I'm going to come back. I should have said all I'm four of you what I should have did. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, though, no, uh, Carlos. Uh, one, one thing to think about. Jackson State had this great recruiting class, but you don't who had the greatest recruiting class not yet to hit the field, actually Florida A&M in 2019 recruiting class. Remember, they didn't play in 2020. Everybody forget, Fab, you had the number one recruiting class for the year that was lost through the COVID. Did you notice something about Fab, you roster? How many players exercised the right to go to the portal off of Fab, roster? Very few. So that means that recruiting class is still there on campus. So like BJ said, FAMU has the players. Now, what does FAMU need to do to win? Well, realize Ryan Stanley is not playing quarterback for you anymore. What do I mean by that? We can't see 60, 70 passes per game anymore. They're going to have to get back to a more balanced offense. doesn't have to be run, run heavy where it's 50-50, but it has to be at least 60-40. Now, that could be quarterback design run or turn around and hand the ball off. Playing such a bishop on that. That's going to set up those receivers that FAMU has that probably arguably the best receiver for in the swag right now. Then, FAMU has the game changer, Chris Fadul. Who is Chris Fadul? Two-time All-American punter for FAMU. So if this gets down to a field position game where these two teams are flipping field back and forth, you have somebody who can pin you deep and not let the ball come out to the 20. Those 10, 15 yards difference between ball starting out on the five and the 20 may ultimately make the difference in the game. And Jackson State's supposed to have some, uh, some threats back there to return the ball. Well, Chris Fadul would be good at keeping the ball away from them and still getting the adequate distance on his punt. So that's my X factor. Special teams, fam, you have the advantage on the special teams, the kicker. And their punter. So there's no doubt who I'm taking in this game. I, I believe I believe green and orange. So I'm, I'm going to take the green and orange in this game. Wow. So three says, FAMU will get it done. My 
heart says, fam, you. My head is saying, wow, just, just wait a minute. Again, it's the rust factor. And I don't know if you could put so much stock into that, BJ. There, there is a factor, but then, you know, I go back to the all-court game. The first drive, they went down the field. Now, after actually the second drive, but after that, they didn't do as much. I'm going to go with FAMU on this. And I think it will be a, a, a special team play or a turnover that may be the deciding factor. The intangibles, you look at the, the coaching staff and the coaches. Uh, FAMU added the former, what, Charles, offensive um, coach from Alcorn State. And then Willie Simmons, can I call him the, the gunslinger, part two and three? Coach Sanders, brilliant mind, staff, gelling in year two. Or shall we say 1A? I'm going to go with FAMU in this one. I, but I think it's going to be an exciting game. It's going to be back and forth. But I think it'll be a special teams play that will make the difference. It could be a kickoff return, a punt return, a block punt, something like that. So I, I'll go with FAMU in, in this ball game. Then Grandma State and Tennessee State. Eddie George starts his coaching career at Tennessee State. Grandma State has Fobbs, who has proven to be a winner. They just had an awful spring. Does Grandma State guys start off on the right foot in 2021 in the fall and defeat Tennessee State? I'm going to go first this time, and I'm going to be objective. We some attempt to. <laughs> I think Grambling State bounces back and they take this game. And because the next two weeks after that, they're playing up. So this is a, a excellent opportunity to get off on the good foot. Am I wrong, guys? I like Grambling State, although quarterback issue, it, it, it's it's going to be poetry in motion, for lack of a better term. Coach Favre told us, BJ at Swag Football Media Day, guys, you know, Grandma State's not going to be down long. They, they may be better, but their record may not indicate it. They may be a better team. Charles, who you like? As a Grambling Knight myself, as a Grambling Knight myself, you know, I'm rolling with the Tigers. And, you know, for Coach Fobbs, you know, at media day, he was a little salty because, you know, when they call the coaches up on stage in, in, in order, they forgot they forgot Coach Fobbs. And Coach Fobbs told me, he said, uh-huh. he went back to his play to say, hey, they, they already have forgotten about you. So I think that's added bulletin board material. Um, look, for Grambling Knights, that I've, and I've been on a couple of Zoom calls with Grambling Knights, they, they think it's time to make a change at Grambling. They've, said you, they've, they've lost the last two Bayou Classics, and we know how big that is. Um, they revamped the offense you know, from top to bottom, from OC, O-line coach, quality control coach, wide receiver coach, offense even though I felt the defense was a bigger problem they revamped the offense and we're gonna see if this offense and they've got a pretty um exotic offensive coordinator if you read his bio what he did in California and coming to Grambling, I think you're gonna see a lot of different looks if Grambling's offense can get it going I think they'll beat Tennessee State you know Tennessee State with Eddie George he's quietly going about his business you know we talk about what coach Sanders and all the hype and build up on one end but then with Eddie George, you don't know what's going on other than hiring Hugh Jackson as offensive coordinator. So I, I, I do think Grambling's defense will step up. I think Grambling will win the game. And part of that, I say, because I'm a Grambling Knight, and I think Roger Fobbs will fix this 
problem that he had last year. And to your point, he's got two beasts coming up after Tennessee State. So this is one that he needs to get for the psyche, the mentality, and the confidence of Grambling. Well, uh, Fobs on the hot seat. We don't really mention we, – well, we hadn't mentioned on this show, but, BJ, can, can you see that? I think he deserves a chance to turn it around based on what he's done. I would love his record against Alcorn <laughs> at Southern. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, but maybe maybe I have to step back from the situation. But BJ, who you like in this ball game? I like Rambler State. Um, I know that uh, rumor has it that Tennessee State has had some COVID issues. They may be down um, a couple of players. That's going to be it's going to play a major factor. Um, I think Rambler, um, they're out to prove that they are uh, an improved football team. Um, Grambling fans would like to forget about the spring um, and, and the record there. The thing of your coach Bob's is they'll forget about the spring. They ain't gonna forget about the fall. Um, you got to get you got to get this one because you, because of your next two. And what you don't want to do is go into conference play over three. So I think for Grambling, you got to grab this. Ad somehow do I? I, I got a feeling Ad may go for Tennessee State. To be different, but I'm, uh, let me see. I may be wrong. Ad, who, who you like in this ball game? You gonna make it a clean sweep? What my bro, man? <laughs> <laughs> I'm outside, so I don't have a bro. But yeah, uh, Ramblin is Ramblin. Yeah, they had a tough spring, like BJ said. They may forget the spring. They're not gonna forget the fall. Don't you think that that 80-some-odd players on that roster know that? The 60-some-odd on scholarship, don't you think they know that? I know Coach Fobbs knows that. And, and then you talk about the COVID issues possibly at, at Tennessee State. You know, it's going to be tough. Eddie George, let me put you like this. When did Eddie George get that job? May, correct? Yeah, May. Yeah. All right. Mark my word. Any this first weekend, any coach who took a job in May would not win today. Why? And I've said this before. They haven't had time to fully go through everything they need to go through. They didn't have spring practice. They didn't play. They didn't play in the spring. The players may have played in the spring. They were not there in the spring. The only team that may have an advantage with that would be Southern because of the continuity within the coaching staff because they hired from within. Other than that, if you had a coach that came from outside of your program in May, it's going to be, it's going to be tough to win these first couple of weeks because you just haven't gotten the reps and the continuity uh, when you talk about coaching turnover and roster turnover to be with it. But, hey, we're talking about Tennessee State, Graham. Correct me if I'm wrong. Number one and number two in Black College National Championship with 16 and 15 respectively. So we just want this game to live up to the hype, no matter who wins this game. Because we are talking about the two schools with the most black college championship. Too bad neither one of them will add to that total this year, but we still want them to live up to the hype. And, and 
By the way, that game is at 3 p.m. on the NFL Network. The last time I believe I saw Alabama and them, and was it Morehouse? I believe Morehouse. 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 Close um, game. Yeah, I thought the production was great. You know, NFL Network, and maybe that's a a network that maybe in the future you will see maybe a whole season of HBCU football. I'm just saying. And by the way, ESPN two for Jackson State and FAMU. Every, everybody else is almost basically on the you know ESPN plus. With that being said, I want to kind of switch gears a little bit. And, and me and Charles have had some interesting discussions about this over the years. Charles has evolved maybe somewhat. He when I first met him, he was a big FCS playoff guy. We would call one double A at the time. But conference, uh, non-conference games, how important is it to, to win those games? And we know we have a, some that's coming up. And, BJ, we've had a, a short discussion on this as well. Um, we know Texas Southern has some FCS non-conference uh, opponents, uh, non-SWAC opponents coming up. Alcorn State next game is against Northwestern State. These games I look at critically. And some fans don't care about these games because some of the things you've heard, well, they don't bring anybody to the stadium. Guess what? I don't depend on other teams to pack the stadium, albeit the Jaguar Nation will do it. But nevertheless, Southern and McNeese. So how important it is to start winning these matchups in the regular season because I'm not in favor of Southern and, and grabbing the state of what have you and Alabama state, you know, going in the FCS playoffs, but how important is it to start uh, uh, playing those games one and having uh, more success, BJ. All summer, really for the last year, all I heard is the SWAC is a super conference. The SWAC is a super conference. We added FAMU and Bethune-Cookman. We're a super conference. If, the, if as a conference, if we don't go out and win these non-conference games, we are not. A super conference is not because you added a bunch of teams. It's because your conference is dominant. You go out and, and you win. Let's look at the Big Sky. On Thursday night, just in the Big Sky, talking nowhere else, you had Weber State that went toe-to-toe with Utah. That was a close ball game. Uh, you had Arizona State uh, that struggled with Southern Utah. That was a close ball game. And then in the Big Sky, you also had uh, Cal Davis uh, that beat uh, Tulsa. Now let's fast forward. Let's look at the Missouri Valley. You had South Dakota State that put it on Colorado State. Uh, you had South Dakota that came within three of beating Kansas. That's a super conference. Going out and you start talking about the other FCS games, they won their FCS games. FCS to FCS, they went out and won. That's what makes you a super conference. The ability to step outside of your conference and win if none if those FCS games particularly and maybe still an FBS game here or there, but primarily win those other games in the FCS. If you don't do that, you don't have a super conference. The SEC is called a super conference. The Missouri Valley is called a super conference. The C, uh, the Colonial Athletic and the Big Sky are called super conferences because they are dominant when they step outside of conferences and they play other teams. If you don't beat anyone out, outside your conference, the only thing that you're doing is beating up on each other. And at that point, you're just having to fight about who's the tallest midget. Beat them 
consistently. I can think back, Charles Edmonds, to uh, Coach Pete Richardson's first game. Quick short story. Playing Northwestern State, Southland Conference. Wow. Carlos, if we're close in the fourth quarter, we may have a chance. You're absolutely right, Mike. And guess what? Southern went out and, 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 and could have scored 60 points. But that game set the tone, Charles. And those are the games. So I'm looking at Alcorn State. I'm putting them on, on, on the spot against Northwestern State at home. Southern is playing McNeese State at home. Texas Southern, I think now, help me out. Is it H? Uh, Houston Baptist, and, and I know uh, maybe in coordinate word, they may have played them in the past, but those are the games I look with, with a critical eye. No, it doesn't make or break the season, but boy, a win would sure be nice, and I think it sets the tone. It's the benchmark game games to me. Charles, what do you say about the importance of winning those non-conference games? As a, as a, as a person that has had a chance to call two one double-A playoff games in 92 and 94. And I go all the way back to 88. Grambling played Stephen F. Austin and led 27 to 7 at halftime and lost 59 to 56. The SWAC is 0-21 in the playoffs. It's time to play and it's time to beat some of these teams. This game next week is going to be important for a whole nother set of fans called the FCS Fans Nation. They're on Twitter. They're on Facebook. You know, they're saying, you know what, Swack, you're doing this and doing that, the Celebration Bowl, but let's see how you match up against a Northwestern or a McNeese. We darn near beat McNeese last year. You got enough games that you can play those type of teams. We don't play them for obvious reasons because financially it's not profitable. You're going to play them home and home. You're not going to make any money. You know, your, your guarantee is your home game. You might get a two-for-one. We had that many, many years ago with Stephen F. Austin. We've got to win these games if we're going to be it. I think BJ put it perfectly. Yeah, we are a super conference, but now let's go out and get it done. Let's go out and play. And there are enough teams in our region in the SWAC footprint. You've got Stephen F., Sam Houston, McNeese, Northwestern State, Kennesaw State, uh, Southeast Louisiana, Central Arkansas. There are enough teams that you can play home and home. If you pack your stadium, that's a nice little payday for you. Or two for one, you'll still get a payday there. This, these are the games that I think are important for us, for this conference. And, you know, we lost to North Carolina uh, Central. We got to bounce back against North, uh, Northwestern State. This is a game we're at home. This is a game we got to get this one. We're a little banged up, but we got to win this game, I think, to, to kind of clutch the FCS fans nation and show that we can win some of these games because they are winnable. They got 63 scholarships, Northwestern State. So do we. I think a lot of people might not know that. You know, and we are an FCS conference. We don't go to the playoffs, and the commissioner talked to me about that at media day. And I'm kind of disappointed, B.J. Jones. You might know this. The financials of the FCS playoffs hasn't changed in 40 years. Okay. you got to pay to play in the playoffs. Exactly. I heard the same old argument in 88, in 92, in 94. It's the same old thing. But, yeah, we're going to try to get a team in the playoffs, and the commissioner is trying to position the conference to do that. But you know, I think we are an FCS conference, obviously, and we want to be in the playoffs if we can get a team in there. And I think that'll generate a lot of buzz. But we got to win these type of games. Northwestern State, they play uh, North Texas tonight. It's a winnable game. We're at home. If we bounce back, we run the football, we avoid the turnovers and penalties. 
we should win this game at home and it'll generate a lot of buzz in the SCS fan nation as well as the swag. AD, that's when me and Charles used to have our classic debates. I'm glad he has now come over a little bit. He's a tough rookie. <laughs> but to pay and then the NCAA gets the paraphernalias that is sold at the games, don't get me started. I want to keep my blood pressure down. AD, um, <laughs> how, 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 how do you feel about this, this topic? Is it important? To, to, to play these games, and it's important to start winning these games consistently. For the athletes, anytime you have an opportunity to compete for a championship, the athletes and the coaching staff, look, from an administrative point of view, it's not a good thing because the financial windfall, even if you win the title, or that great. Now, that was all before uh, NIL. Going to be interested to see if some of these Division Two and FCS teams who make these runs, if some of these players can turn those into possible NIL agreements. And that may change the lay of the land because, let's be real, those NIL agreements are not coming down to the FCS at the Division II level like they are at the Power Five, even the Group of Five. So that may change my argument, but on the surface, no. I much rather get this guaranteed money from these from this bowl game. You call it the Celebration Bowl, whatever whatever it is on each of these individual levels. But like BJ said, the conference has to get its respect before you even think about it. Uh, dropping down a level, look at what SI, look at what SIAC team Albany State did on Thursday night by going to Mississippi College and not only winning, but dominating 24-0. That's what SWAC needs to do. Take the challenge, accept the challenge, and win the challenge. SIAC and CIAA have a couple other matchups where they're taking on some regional foes today. We don't have time to get into those, but those games will be very important for conference ratings to help them out with the playoffs on their level. And we specifically, I guess, talking about football, but there's other sports, you know, as well. And then BJ, I think from a recruiting angle, I know what Southern, that series ended five games apiece in a 10-year period. But the recruiting advantage that you can get from, you know, in the state of Louisiana, you got Southeast and Nickel State, McNeese. I mean, you beat them, and every so often you beat a Louisiana Tech. What does it do for recruiting, BJ? You helps recruit it, the same kids. Helps it helps it tremendously. I mean, especially somebody in the state in Louisiana that has an abundance of FCS programs. Um, you know, the same couches, you know, we're competing for the same athletes. Uh, and it says something, you say, hey, we're better. We went out, we beat this team uh, when we play head-to-head. Uh, that does a lot. That gives you a leg up. Um, you know, like I said, man, you know, we have to schedule these teams. We have to buy. At the end of the day, football is about wins and losses. It's not about attendance. It's not about the bands. It's not about the tailgating. It ain't about how good the Hennessy was at the tailgate. 
It's about wins and losses. Uh, and I'm more interested in, in wins and losses than any of the extracurricular things uh, that, set, that sets us apart from everyone else. At the end of the day, I want to be beat. I, I want to beat these teams and say that I am better than you. And not that I'm better at drawing fans. We know that. Not that my band's jamming the best. We know that. Not that we tailgate the best. We know that. That we are better. And I think that once we're able to schedule those games and beat them, we got some opportunities this year. That makes the swag that much better. That's what makes you a super conference. You're watching the Coles Brown Show live here on the Black College Sports Network, joined by Charles Edmund, A.D. Drew, B.J. Jones. And I, 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 it's been an interesting topic, that last part, uh, about playing out of conference and, and winning those games. Back to the to the conference today. Can you think of a, a, a player on the football angle who will have a breakout game, will be spectacular? I have someone in mind, but uh, I, I'm going to go last on this one. Who do you think will have a spectacular game? And we may not know about them per se, but we will after today's today's games and Sunday's games. Let me put it that way. Uh, I will go uh, first. I think on the offensive the uh, offensive side of the ball, I think for uh, Southern, uh, it would be a uh, young receiver by the last name of Whitfield. Oh, uh, BJ, hold on, hold on, BJ. Did you look at my notes? That's what no. I was going to say. Uh-oh. Go, go ahead, BJ. I think that he is poised to have a great game, speed, uh, tremendous agility, a great athlete. I think he's poised to have a a uh, big game today, and I think he's going to be uh, a breakout guy. Uh, I think on the, the uh, defensive uh, side of the football, he's not really a breakout. Everyone knows uh, who this uh, gentleman uh, is, uh, but I, I think that it is going to be uh, Colton Adams from Alabama State. Uh, he is healthy, finally. Uh, he's ready to go, and I think that what that front that front four does, and what he how he uh, how they help him. I think that he's not only going to have a big game today, but I think he's going to have a big season. Granted, that he can stay healthy. You want to take a shot at this one, or you want to come back to you? I'm gonna just give you one name. Watch out for Bishop on that Florida A and M. Florida a is going to have to run the ball more. He's a little guy, but he's a scat back, and he likes to get the ball in space. So just just one name I want you to uh, look out for in that orange blossom classic on tomorrow. Bishop Barnett. Dr. Charles Edmund. Oh, Carlos, you caught me sideways with that question. Well, B, um, BJ stole mine, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm, looking, I'm looking down the list here. I'm, I'm going back to my alma mater. I'm going back to Grambling and Tennessee State. You heard all the hype a while back about this kid, Biden, that quarterback, was recruited as the best quarterback in the city of New York. I, I, I'm thinking that he might be the guy that will probably get a lot of snaps against Tennessee State tomorrow. So I'm looking for some some big numbers from him. And if that's the case, Grandma will win the football game. If there's one guy that I can just think of right off the top, 
I've been talking about Biden forever, ever since he was recruited by Grambling. We'll we'll see if he gets on the field, and we'll see if he has an impact. That'll be interesting. So, B.J. St. Chandler Whitfield, who, by the way, in Southern's first scrimmage, had a uh, a nice long touchdown reception. And this is a guy. I, I'll say this: he has the mannerisms of Willie Quinn, but bigger. I, from all things being told, just as fast. And you and you remember him, Willie Quinn. Wow. But I guess I'm going to go with Tyler Kirkwood, um, receiver who had three receptions for over 100 yards um, for Southern University in their last scrimmage. And so he he gets to start. He gets to start today. That's a freshman. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. The, the spring always throws me, BJ. He's still a freshman. <laughs> yeah. Um, he gets to start. And if I can, I can pull up. Um, I got a hold of the, the depth chart. But, uh, but he makes – he gets to start, and um, and I want to say if he didn't start against Jackson State in the spring, I think he did, but he did play a play a lot. He had he had he had a drop, but um, he he has improved as well. So I think that's a name that um, after today tonight you'll say you look at the stats and say, wow, he 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 did well. Thanks a lot, BJ, for taking uh, who I really wanted to talk about. But I think Whitfield, and, and as a slot receiver, he's deadly. He is deadly if you get him in in, in space. So that's that's who I I, I believe will will have a a, a, a pretty good game uh, today. Um, guys, as we get ready, I guess we close out about what twelve twenty, something like that. Ad. About twelve twenty-five, something like that. As I, I look up um, Southern University's depth chart, what do you think happens? Is there a chance? Who has a, the best chance uh, for a a win that we predicted that would not probably get the win? Who has the best chance of an upset? And I know we kind of mentioned Bethune Cookman. Um, but 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 who 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 has the best chance for the upset, quote unquote? I would think it's Southern University. Um, me personally, um, I think with Southern with the talent they bring back, this Troy is not the Troy program that they were uh, a, a few years back that went to LSU. Um, this ain't this ain't the same uh, Troy program. They have been uh, down upon the head coach Chip Lindsey. He's on the hot seat. Um, I've talked to some Troy people that say, no, I'm not coming to the game. It's my silent protest of Chip Lindsey. Uh, wow. uh, Who comes uh, from Auburn, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Alabama guy, coached in the high school ranks, uh, and, you know, was able to, you know, go over to Troy. It, that fan base and Chip Lindsey, is, 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 it's a little testy. Um, and and I, I, I joke with one of the guys, I said, well, we'll do you a favor. We'll go ahead and get the ball rolling real fast for you on Saturday night. Uh, but I, I think that Southern has an opportunity. Uh, Troy has not been spectacular uh, since their head coach left and went to West Virginia a few years ago. Uh, they have not had a winning season, have not been to, back to a bowl game. And we're talking about a Troy program that you look at the Sun Belts, what was one of the most successful teams, uh, programs in the Sun Belt. Uh, and they have not been to a bowl game, they have not had a winning season. Um, so I, I think. 
Couple that with, with with Southern's bringing back, I think that Southern has has a puncher's chance in this one. Interesting. If I could, guys, I said Tyler Kirkwood. Yes, a freshman. He is a starter. Also, Cameron Peterson, Richard Jr., first year in Southern University football program, six five two eighty, played from McNeese State. I think he will be a man. He will be a man out there on the field uh, for, for, for Southern University. Um, it'll be interesting. Charles, um, who do you think has the best opportunity for an upset? I'm going to go with Texas Southern. You know, I, 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 you know, I've got Prairie View to win the game. Um, you know, I just in talking about these games, I kind of – I, I want to think that Texas Southern could be the fall version of UAPB. Nobody talked about UAPB wow. as a spring. Nobody talked about UAPB at all, and you saw what happened. No one's talking about Texas Southern at all. Everyone's talking about Dooley in the hot seat and this ex- exotic offense, and he, he's not getting it done. Coach McKinney was the quietest guy in media day. Of he the was. Coach yeah. And Big so I, I think that Texas Southern, if as they say on the street, if Prairie View plays around with this one, Texas Southern could get them. So if there's a up if there's an upset special, I'm gonna say Texas Southern. Hmm. I think I would have to agree with the charge. You know, I was, you know, before I was really interrupted by AD, I was going to say Texas Southern for my upset, but then I changed my mind. <laughs> AD, <laughs> look how AD's looking at me. <laughs> but I have to agree with y'all, Texas Southern. You, <laughs> you, you, you do know I can uh I control the uh I control us, right? I can just hit a button and eat all this, right? <laughs> and, and, and you're right. And this 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 is archived immediately after the show. So yeah, I, I was being facetious. Uh all right, BJ. We appreciate you. BJ has to uh uh leave us right now. We got a few more minutes, but um AD, you you kind of like what y'all said. I, I agree, Texas Southern. Right. It's now, the chance. Just, just want to throw some things out there. Would you consider Bowie State over Delaware State, Virginia Union over Hampton, or Miles over Alabama State upset? Because I really don't. Even though that is Yeah, because the Delaware State has had struggles, and Bowie. When I think of Bowie State, I think of offensive explosion. I mean, and not just in one year, several years. So to answer your question, no, I. I'm, technically, no, that's not an upset to me. All right. But I am going to give you one to consider. And I'm going off the radar on this. You know, I'm a small school guy. I'm an SIEC guy. Savannah State, Valdosta State. Oh, wait a I minute. I know it's baby. not an HBCU on HBCU matchup. But Valdosta State, the Division II champion in 2018, playoff team. 2019. Everybody forgets Savannah State still has athletes who were recruited to play in the VAC, walking around on campus, still playing football. So you've got Division I athletes on a Division II schedule. They, we know they did not have success at the Division I level, but what happened as soon as they came down? We saw how they dominated the SIAC uh, in 2019, even though they weren't eligible. 
Did you pay attention to what they did this uh, spring? They won both their games this spring. One of them in, in blowout fashion. They they put up eighty on somebody this this spring. Savannah State making a statement for the SIAC. They saw what Albany State did. They cannot let Albany State one up them in in this in this uh, race and possibly get a second team into the region. Savannah State in the upset over Valdosta. If that happens, I will eat beef liver for dinner over <laughs> rice, and I can't stand liver. My goodness. But hey, you know what, A.D.? Mama Brown got a good recipe for it. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, that would be a shocker. Yeah. But that's, that, that, that's my uh, uh, bold prediction. Well, that's pretty bold. Yeah. Yeah. It, I, <laughs> I noticed AD kind of gives you something out the box. I kind of like that. He has, a, he has a knuckle curve that's pretty nasty in baseball terms. And so I, I, I'm learning that in this relationship right now. That, if that happens, Charles, I'm going to text you and I'm going to text AD. Wow. And start, <laughs> and start listening. Boy, you know? Um, let me do this. Um, we're still in a pandemic and, uh, I, I want to thank everyone who, uh, text and, and checked on me. AD did, um, Charles Edmund did, Charles Bishop, a lot more reached out to me. Uh, we were able to survive here in Baton Rouge, but continued prayers for Baton Rouge. Um, uh, it was, it was it was awful. That wind, it was more of a windstorm. They were talking about flooding, but keep Ham and Louisiana in, in your uh, prayers. They got it worse than Baton Rouge. They're a little further east. New Orleans and below just, just decimated. It may be a month before the power comes back on for the total city. You saw doing this broadcast. I, I lost power for about five, six, eight minutes. That's just what happens now. But um, thanks to everyone who, who reached out to me. I really appreciate it. Also, uh, Kelvin Franklin, a local football star at Catholic High School, went on to play at LSU, transferred to Southern University, got news late last night, died of complications from COVID-19. So it is still real out there. And, and Things hit close to home, of course, especially when you know somebody, either personally or from the sports world, because that's what we do. We're in sports media. So uh, thoughts and prayers go out to the Franklin family. Um, he was a was a tremendous, tremendous football player, and uh, he's journeyed from this life. So still be safe out there. Still do the things necessary to keep safe. So that you you know can be 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 around. We're still in the pandemic, Charles and and AD, and so even going into the stadiums, practice the proper protocol is still so important. Um, Charles, we'll give you a final comments on today's show. Then I'll go to AD. 
But, you know, we, you were talking about uh, Jackson State and Florida a and I want to go back to that game. I think A.D. Drew brought up a good point. You know, all the hype and talk about Coach Sanders and Jackson State and what's happened. I always keep in mind, if you look at the amount of time he's been on that job, he officially started December 5th. He's been on the job nine months. His coaching staff's been on the job probably nine and a half months because I think they were hired before he officially started. Even though we had a spring, we got a good sample size of that. They started out great, but fizzled. They've only been on the post for a few months. So if you're on a job and you've been on a job nine months, you still don't know how everything's supposed to fit. They got a lot of transfers in, a lot have left. And so this coaching, and I know there's a lot of pressure on Jackson State because of all the hype. But keep in mind, they've only been on the job nine months. And I don't know of a coach other than Nick Saban and maybe two or three others in, on this planet that could turn around a program quickly. We did it with Jay Hobson. In one year, we were one step away from winning the East. And you know what happened from there with Hobson and, of course, Fred McNair. It happens. It can happen. But it typically doesn't happen. So I, I would just say if people are just patient a little bit, I know the patience is, is thin at Jackson State. They had won a championship since 20, 2007. Um, it's, been a, it's been a decade of futility. We know, but I think for them, they just, you have to build it step by step and they'll go a long way with it today. I mean, tomorrow, if they can get it done, but if not, just trust the process. Open like a true Nick Saban fan. He always talks <laughs> about the process. Um, AD? Gotta unmute your mic. There you go. I'm outside this restaurant, so I have to make sure that uh, I'm not picking up any uh, ambient audio. So, the state of Alabama for this weekend is the center of the HBCU football universe. Alabama A&M, South Carolina State in Huntsville. How is that game not on TV or or something, I don't know. That's the game I want to watch today. I will be at the uh, Miles versus Alabama State game. Tomorrow, Red Tails Classic, Fort Valley at Tuskegee. So all four teams from the state of Tuskegee are playing from the state of Alabama are playing in the state of Alabama over the weekend. Doesn't happen too often like that. So, while we got all these other games going on and everybody has their traditional classes, State of Alabama is where it is. And then we're going to take it one step further. The Red Tails Classic, if you don't know why this classic was created, shame on you. Google them. They are the reason we have so many freedoms today. Tuskegee Airmen, a.k.a. the Red Tail. They're, they train less than five miles from where I sit right now. So I was there when that field was rededicated to them. I, 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 I was at that ceremony. So when I speak with their passion about them, yes, I do speak with their passion about them. I went to church with some original Tuskegee Airmen when I lived in this community. So who that? All the other classes, you know, they they have what what they have. 
But this classic is special because of why it was created. And I would just like to say it's uh, it's never been a, a a better time when we look at the climate of this country, HBCU sports, HBCU athletics, even from the media standpoint, Black College Sports Network have an opportunity to join um, this network in July. And no one can tell our story better than us. We have different personalities. We have different shows for your taste and more coming. So with that being said, you have a commissioner in the Southwest Athletic Conference and Dr. McClellan who realized you got to strike while it's hot. And this conference is hot right now. But not just only this conference, all of HBCU sports. And we have to make sure that someone will always be telling the story, whether it's video streaming, traditional radio, television shows, newscasters, journalists, podcasters, so that the story will always be told. Like, share, and subscribe. Like, subscribe, and share. The Coles Brown Show on the Black College Sports Network and the Black College Sports Network and all the different shows that we have for you here. I think you will be pleasantly surprised and you'll be happy at what we have to offer. Now, usually this is the spot as we wrap it up. I go to AD again to kind of give all the particulars on the show, uh, shows. So AD, the floor is yours about talking about how everyone can enjoy the Black College Sports Network and all of their shows. And we welcome uh, Charles Elman to the Black College Sports Network. Um, You'll be seeing him throughout the organization. So with that being said, A.D., take us out. My BCSN and the number one on all social media. That's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. On YouTube, my JBN and the number one. You can, you can hit me up personally on Twitter at BCSNDREW. Website www.bycsn.net. Go to Google Play at the Apple App Store. Download our app. It is important that you download our app. That way you are first to get the alerts when we have a new podcast. We have new podcasts such as such as uh, Brave Talk. Having a conversation, may have uh, 1876 Sports and Culture coming on uh, soon. Follow Brown Show, the Sports Wrap, Knights of the Round Table, uh, Dr. Kabir, Inside HBC Sports Lab with Dr. Kabir, the pregame show, and Carlos, I know I'm leaving something out because we we add show. Oh, uh, eight, I forgot what we call uh, BJ Jones's uh, show, HBCU football. Inside HBCU football. Yeah, it's inside HBCU football. So, uh, we we've got so many shows I can't even keep up anymore. All I know is I got to push buttons to make sure they show up between myself and uh and, and Brian Fulford. So, uh, also go to your favorite streaming app, Spotify. Uh, iHeart, whatever it is, please download the BCSN Pod Zone. 
pick up the audio version of all of our podcasts. I was listening to uh, uh, Brave Talk while I was driving over here from Georgia to Alabama in the car at 4 o'clock this morning. So thank you, Charles, for keeping me both this morning. Charles, you be safe in your travels back. I know you had, um, you know, a loss in the family, so I thought to press with you. All I can say is I've been there. I, I've been there, and you know what I mean. So anything you need, just 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 let me know. And uh, also, um, it was good hearing Dean Barnes back uh, for another year. And so uh, tell Dean I was listening, and if he needs me to help out in any way, just, just, <laughs> let, just let me know. It was good hearing Dean Barnes <laughs> back. On that note, as always, you can tune in on Saturdays from normally, traditionally, 10 a.m. to 12 noon Central Standard Time, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here for the Coles Brown Show on the Black College Sports Network. If you would like to make a donation to the Carlos Brown Show, you can see the cash app information is up, the Carlos Brown Show. Until next Saturday at 10 a.m. for another edition of the Carlos Brown Show, exclusively right here on the Black College Sports Network. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. And as always, as always, peace and God bless.